0: Welcome to Fintech's DEI Discussions podcast series. This is the Women of Fintech chapter, and we are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Anelia Grant, co-founder of JustPaid. She is here today to tell us how she walks the talk for inclusion across the sector and what more she wants done. Anelia, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having
1: me and greetings to your listeners. I'm excited to share some of my part of my story, a story of Just Paid, and share the inspire other
0: women to get into fintech or take a change in their careers. And I love that. That's a great start to this. So let's let's hear a bit more about Just Paid. I love your mission. Tell us all about that. So, the
1: birth of Just Paid is quite a thorny one. In a summary, Just Paid is a platform to allow to streamline the process of revenue management, workflows around the invoice billing collections and tracking your receivables it's very simple and it came through real pain point of me working for about 15 years i was working uh, uh, as an accountant i had uh, my own accounting company where i was working with over 800 startups in silicon valley where billing would be sales would be hard <laughs> but uh, collecting cash would be even harder there was no automation it's always been relying heavily on people to get the work done so after years of being in that space and uh, observing how companies sometimes would get to the these hard decisions of shutting down just because the cash wouldn't be in a in a bank account, and time for the payroll, that's where I decided to build a platform to make the jobs of accountants, of business owners easier to delegate and automate the
0: billing products to one dedicated billing platform. Amazing. Thank you. And and what a great story so far. I'd love to hear a bit more about like your role, what it entails, what you do day to day. I just paid I'm one of the three co-founders. My role is as a
1: CPO, Chief Product Officer. My I'm highly my, my day-to-day is I'm working with engineering team, I'm working with our customers for the user feedback, incorporated into our roadmap and making sure that engineering is aware of what are we building, why are we building and getting back that fully developed or partially developed Part of just paid, bring it back to the users, get their feedback, iterate and continue a cycle of uh, build, refining the product and optimizing it for the better user experience. As a co-founder, that's uh, another of my role is to inspire people, inspire the team, share the big vision and stay in good communication with my co-founders so we i my my role is uh, to make sure that we are all aligned on a long term plan and a short term plans
0: yeah and that's just so fascinating like all the different pieces of the pie that you have to be looking after and making sure you're driving it forward and on that thread i've been super excited to read about your accomplishments and in particular your experience of gaining funding. And I wanted you to share some of that with the audience, especially some of the challenges that you have overcome in that. Yeah,
1: the the funding was a a, a, a hell of a story, to be honest. When the idea of Just Paid was born, I was talking to two of my co-founders as uh, figuring out of how what we were going to do next. One of the early... Uh, Agreements we had was that we wanted to apply to Y Combinator. It was the dream. It was something that we all wanted to do. And my co-founder, Daniel, he already went through Y Combinator in 2011. He had a successful exit there. I worked with Y Combinator-funded startups. And that's something that we wanted to build specifically for YC infrastructure as well with OSC funded companies infrastructure as well. So with that being said, said we applied to Y Combinator crazy enough with an idea only. Granted with uh, FinTech, uh, with our diverse team, with um, various expertise level, either me being a subject matter expert, my co-founder who ran already a successful company before, my third co-founder built billing solutions previously, Uh, I guess that that gave some credibility and inspired investors. And we were able to carry the story through our uh, financing route when we were raising our money from angel investors. It does help that we were we raised a lot of money from operators who turned into investors. So when we started talking about the problem, they immediately were able to connect with that. Like, how do how do you collect money after you make a sale to an enterprise customer? It's very uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to go in and say, hey, you haven't paid me. You owe me $20,000, dollars $70,000 or whatever the value of the contract. And what we're doing is just paid. We're automating it with machine learning, with AI, the whole collection process is no longer is an emotional task. It's now fully automated. When we were fundraising, it was a difficult time. We did most of our fundraising in April. That's when we had the economic downturn. The outlook on the economic landscape didn't look so good. However, at the same time, it was also OpenAI launched, and the whole wave of this new technology was coming up and lifting a lot of companies in Silicon Valley. It was a it was a journey of probably, if I'm not mistaken, 400 phone calls, a lot of rejection, but also a lot of people who we able to connect to the pain and share
0: and be inspired by our story and support us. Like, this is such a great story. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Because I think the, the stats right now are so gloomy for people receiving funding but no one's really sure about the story what actually do they need to do what do they need to prove what do they what evidence should they share and actually how many times do you need to ask for this and it's great for you to really give us a number there around like resilience and and what you need to do to achieve what you've achieved i love that you've given some some bullet points around what's been happening this year and i know that you've got some big predictions for skill sets talent and businesses Looking into 2024, I've read some of your work around the drive for AI, automation, and cyber. I'd love for you to tell us some more there, please.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So AI is a fantastic boost in productivity. From how AI is categorized, we have multiple levels of autonomy, right? In this case, open AI and large language models not going to solve everything. They're not going to replace people, absolutely not, but they will make people's jobs much easier, way more engaging in some way. You can delegate boring stuff to AI. The automation can be done Absolutely, without our involvement, which is great so what I'm predicting in my for next couple of years is that we will start utilizing people will become way better at prompt engineering as we became way better at Google search <laughs> how to find the proper articles right so that's what'm so that's what I'm seeing there is going to be quite a productivity boost there is going to be of course our skill sets will change. uh, As we no longer have to remember phone numbers of our friends, as we no longer have to remember locations of certain uh, places we even go frequently enough, same thing, the jobs will change and skill sets will change. It's just inevitable. We'll become more specialized, which I think is uh, gonna only make our, the end result will be way more quality output and quality work. I also believe with more computerization and more work transferred to the digital world and cloud services getting a bigger and bigger chunk of all everything that we do, there is definitely um, a high risk of cyber attacks and how do we protect ourselves and how do we, especially in this world where people still do password sharing then just basic things, <laughs> right? <laughs> when two-factor authentication is not set up and then everybody... So that just is still a lot of risk. And if you look at a broader set of uh, geopolitics, uh, the warfare, while we have it, unfortunately, in Europe right now, in, in Russia and Ukraine and the Middle East and Israel and everything that's happening there, there is war is no longer just a physical, it's cyber, it's information war and... Who control information, those people also control narrative. So we really need to be on the forefront of cybersecurity. That's my outlook on this.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing your insights on that, because I think it really poses a number of very powerful questions around the future of technology, but its implication on people and its implication on workforces, we know this year has been a challenge, 2023 has been a challenge. I'm interested in your thoughts around 2024 when we consider cost-cutting, digital adaptation, remote working, and what the implications of that will be on people within the sector.
1: That's a very challenging question.
0: I wish that we
1: will have a good roadmap to figure out what the solution for how to take care of people, right? How do we, how do we not replace or how do we not hurt economy? How do we not hurt families with the, the next step of digital adaptation? In this example, the best one would be to go back in the history and say, we did replace horses. Some jobs were gone better jobs became available right that's what we are hoping to do with those changes we really need to be careful and we cannot rely on government for, to create protections for us it's going to take forever and it's they're going to miss the mark uh, we really need to do it internally with establishing our own third-party agencies um, that will be more dynamic and more at, uh, attuned to the market needs and um, you know, market uh, downfalls as well. It is a very tricky situation, but it's inevitable. At this point, the Pandora boxes will open. We cannot go back. And if, let's say, countries in European Union will decide that this is no longer what we are doing, your AI is bad, <laughs> which is not, <laughs> but if the attitude will change and there'll be like a more protectionist rules will set up, we will not protect other countries to develop. And then we will be outcompeted. So this is not the battle we want to lose in technology.
0: And again, thank you for sharing your insights, because I think there's often so many sides to the story when it comes to some of these huge topics, especially the topics that affect individuals so deeply. And this podcast, I always ask the question around What can all of us do to build a more inclusive industry? And I think you yourself, you've been really walking the talk for different perspectives and opinions and in everything that you've been doing within your career and building your company. What would you like to see other people doing to really drive forward industry inclusion?
1: For industry inclusion, we just, there is multiple perspectives, right? As a CEO, as a C-level executive, you can start making the change within your company right away. That is up to you to start hiring diversely. It is up to you to start hiring women. It is up to you to start hiring people from different backgrounds, from different educational backgrounds, from different cultural backgrounds. It only enriches the company's culture. And as an employee, it is also up to us to start applying for the jobs that we might feel that we we might not be as welcome. Um. To be transparent with you in my experience, being a founder in Silicon Valley, working on a the product, there is not a lot of women in that space. There is not a lot of women who are building in the fintech industry as well. But if, if we don't do it, nobody will. We just have to take this mindset that if not me, then who else? And take responsibility and ownership. There is. Nobody else will step up and tell you, you know what, now I think it's your turn to be a CEO. I think it's now your turn
0: to be successful. Nobody will do that. And we just have to do it ourselves. That's my perspective on this. And what a fantastic perspective. Like, I absolutely love it because you're so right. Who am I waiting to tell me? Oh, Oh, Nadia, it's now your turn to really be a success. We have to grab it ourselves. And what a wonderful way to bring this podcast to a conclusion. Thank you so much for joining me on FinTech's DEI discussions. And I'm super excited about you and your business. And I'm so, so happy that you've been on the show today. So let's listen. Let's learn. Let's walk the talk. Thank you. Thank you.